I readily identify with the response of a man who lived in a care facility learning to cope with the onset of dementia. A woman approached him who was familiar to him from their past and asked, do you know who I am? The man replied, how soon do you need to know? <laughs> Occasionally, Katie and I will be interacting with someone and she knows if I haven't introduced that person that I've forgotten their name. And so she will extend and say who she is, hoping that that person will, will, will say their name, but sometimes they don't. <laughs> uh, I readily recognize the person's face, but ask me their name or to recall something specific about him or her, and I may need a little more time to collect the data. I don't know what it is about our... Um, our culture and the bombardment of information, but it's more and more difficult to recall simple things like that. Things that are very important, but we just can't seem to keep it all in place. Luke tells us that these two disciples of Jesus, they weren't among the 11 or 12 that had followed Jesus and been called by him, the apostles as we know them, but there was a large gathering of disciples who followed Jesus, especially after three years. And as they encounter him on this road to Emmaus, having left Jerusalem for the day, this is the day of the third day in which Jesus was raised from the dead. Luke tells us they were prevented from recognizing him. Luke seems to imply that there's something about the physical presence of Jesus after his resurrection that is qualitatively different than, than his likeness before the resurrection. He, they clearly, uh, people saw him and, and physically could touch him, and there were elements that, that registered that this is Jesus, but in, in this particular instance, they they're prevented. We don't know how long they've been disciples or have been following Jesus, but you would think that after a few times of being with him, they would have known his walk, been familiar with his pace and having aligned their steps with his stride as the rhythm of that alone should have alerted them, hey, isn't this Jesus? If not his walk, then surely his voice would have sounded familiar, even if he might have had a cold. Um, it could have been that they, they were distracted by their own personal concerns of that day and, and how anxious they felt and how dan downcast they were. I don't know about you, but I don't pay attention to some things when, when I'm not feeling uh, right, when when my spirit in particular is downcast, it's hard to take in outside information. Or it may simply have been that they were prevented from Jesus because of something outside of them prevented them. In a sense, this story is similar to the way many in our modern world view Jesus. He's either not recognized altogether He's not valued as important or relevant to people's personal lives, or 
if he is present, if what has been said about him and what he says about himself is indeed true, then his presence is as if he is incognito to most of the world. If only they knew. If only they knew the reality that Jesus' presence makes for each and every one of us who believe in him and what the reality of his presence means for our world, everything in their world would change. About a year ago, I was in the lobby of Memorial Hospital early in the morning, preparing to meet and pray with a church member ahead of her scheduled surgery. Before she arrived, I saw someone I knew whom I didn't know worked there at that time. We greeted each other warmly, and I recall I was both glad and sad to see that Duritu was employed as a security guard. I was glad because he was drawing an income, having been without work for so very long. But I was also sad knowing he was underemployed, given his credentials and skill set. Duritu Kanyogoro had served as the dean of the School of Engineering at Dadan Kamathi University of Technology in Nairi, Kenya. He came to the East Bay to work as an electrical engineer in hopes that he would bring his immediate family to join him. All that changed when he had to return suddenly to his homeland because of the failing health of his parents. After both parents died, Duritu returned to the Bay Area, hoping to find work again and make preparations to bring his family with him. Unfortunately, by that time, there were no jobs in his field. He had migrated up here, and through his brief connection with our congregation, our deacon's assistance fund helped support him to return yet again to Kenya when he had to attend the sudden death of his sister attend the funeral of the sudden death of his sister. So as I waited in the lobby early that morning with Duritu there in his security uniform uh, greeting people and, and assigning them to various locations, I witnessed a moment of great irony. A group of hospital maintenance personnel brought an electrical apparatus on a cart into the lobby where they met two other repairmen from outside the hospital. There, the four individuals discussed the problem and what might, need, what might be needed to resolve it. I thought to myself, if only they knew who was just a few feet away from them, the capability of the man that they probably thought was nothing more than a security guard. They might have asked his help and received the answer they were seeking. Even if they did see him, could they look past the uniform or presume he knew anything about electrical circuitry? Weeks passed, and I did not see Doritu in church, and I lost touch with him. Until last month, I received an email from him which included this statement. I am pleased to let you know I have finally found a job in my profession. 
I joined John Hopkins University in Maryland as the lead radiation engineer in the space exploration sector. I am thankful to God for his provision and faithfulness. Have you ever been in situations like that where you see a situation, you know someone and no one else knows that person and you think, if only they knew. In the same hospital, years before, I, I, what brought a smile to my face as I walked in, the person behind the counter greeting people and helping them know where to go was um, Deborah Ide. In the medical community, she, she was known as Dr. Deborah Johnson. And here she was, uh, her profession is that of a doctor, and she's helping people know what floor they might need to go to or what room to go to in order to register. She's simply greeting people on behalf of the hospital as a volunteer. If only they knew, they might be able to be treated and walk away without having to, <laughs> without having to pay anything to the hospital. Just as in the Passover meal, which commemorates Israel being redeemed from their slavery in Egypt, so Cleopas and his companions say they had hoped Jesus might have been the one God would use to redeem them and secure their freedom from Roman occupation. The reason for their sadness and dismay has to do with the death of Jesus, for with him died their hoped, all their hopes and their future as well. The one who should have defeated the pagans in their mind instead died at their hands. But if they only knew, if they only knew that wasn't all there was to the story, if they only knew that his death was necessary in order to bring about the freedom they longed for, that it wasn't just an occupation of another um, country or another power. Israel's whole history is full of being occupied and being overrun by, by another power, a superpower. If only they knew that this one God did use to bring about a redemption not only for Israel but the entire world. For it was only in Jesus' death that full freedom from sin and the bondage of our own brokenness could be ended once and for all. What they said included a reality greater than what they knew. They crucified Jesus, but we had hoped he would redeem Israel. Later, we find that the early church would make a similar statement as their affirmation of faith. They crucified Jesus, and that was how he redeemed the world. There are two ways the Emmaus disciples come to recognize who it is that has accompanied them on the road. First, Jesus used the narrative of Scripture to explain the necessity of the cross. And secondly, he breaks bread and fellowship and community with them, and their eyes were opened. In all the Easter stories you find in the Gospels, no one has a clue what's going on or what it means. 
until Jesus uses the scriptures to connect the long story of how God would redeem Israel through suffering. Not merely their own suffering, but God's Messiah suffering on their behalf. Christ's followers up to then thought that the cross demonstrated that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. But interpreting the scriptures, Jesus showed them that the cross, in fact, proves he is the Messiah. In the cross and resurrection, the condemned one is vindicated, the dead one is risen, and the shamed one is glorified. It's an incredible story. Mind-boggling, stunning. They couldn't recognize Jesus, not only because they couldn't see him as God's agent bringing about the transformation of the world, but also because they thought that Jesus' body emerged from the tomb, though the same was somehow radically different. No, it wasn't either of those. It was more the fact that they couldn't recognize the events that had just happened were indeed a matter of God's doing, that God was in it all. It's as if Luke, the narrator, is telling us that we can only recognize Jesus in light of the whole story of God, working in the Hebrew scriptures all the way up to including the person of Jesus this was how God intended to remake the world. Then the second thing, after interpreting those events, Jesus sits at the table to share a meal with them. And you'll notice that the words are the same that we encountered in the story of the feeding of the 5,000. He took the bread, having given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. It was also the same words that we find in the Lord's Supper though, with the twelve, um, but these two wouldn't have been there. But Luke is reminding us yet again, he took the bread, having given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them. The word incarnate is Jesus, in Jesus is the same word embodied in the meal, and any church you go to the test of whether it's Christian and whether it has at its heart this gospel message will be that this word is proclaimed and this table is centered in, in that church, is the heart of that church. It's word and table together that combines the narrative and the story of who we are and our identity in Jesus Christ. Any other church that does it any other way, that doesn't include both those elements, is fooling themselves about what it means to be Christian. At this, the disciples immediately make the connection and their eyes were opened. This is a, this is a idiom in Luke's gospel of saying, they now saw with faith. They didn't just see with their eyes, they saw with their hearts and with their emotions and with their will. And what's their response? The first thing is not only that sense of aha and wonder and discovery, but then Jesus disappears in their, from their midst. But that doesn't stop them. They immediately get up and return to Jerusalem. Notice they told Jesus, don't continue further. 
The night, the day is almost over. The night is coming. Stay and rest. No one travels when it's dark. But they do. They do because now they know. Now they know it's true. They didn't believe the story of the women. Having seen that the tomb was empty and having heard from the angels he's alive, they believed it. But the disciples didn't. Some even had to go see for themselves. And notice the text says they didn't see Jesus. So they still don't believe. And these two don't believe because they've gone home for the day. The day's over and their hopes are dashed. And now suddenly there's a resurgence because what they didn't know before, now they know. And when they return to Jerusalem, they find that not only do they know, but so do the other disciples. And the whole community now is beginning to experience the dynamic of the resurrection. But not only the resurrection, the fact that the resurrection points to the truth of that reality that Jesus' death on the cross has freed us and made us alive to all that is good and ready to serve God in the world he's made new. Amen.